I shall sit in my least passionate chair. That'll make it more festive. We call it honey ball. I hope you all understood why that's so funny. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that can't know anyone intimately, least of all a woman. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. So you do love me, little thing. Yes, because you are not a limp noodle with blonde hair. Aww. I know. That's so sweet. It's very sweet. <laughs> Welcome back. We hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday in America and that everyone else ate a whole bunch of food in solidarity. That's right. <laughs> We expect you to respect our holidays. Yes. Yeah. And for no other reason that you all gained as much weight as we did. <laughs> uh, so we have no new countries this week, so we will jump right into telegrams from our cousins. First up is from Cousin Melvina. You guys, I have been alone in my love for Downton Abbey since the beginning and have just recently discovered your podcast. Finally, someone who gets it. I watch and rewatch episodes and it has been so great to listen to your commentary because I am right there with you, down to the McGee accent, which drives me insane. I seriously have had to pull my car over because I was laughing so hard. I finished Series 3 and look forward to your recaps in January. For now, I'm still catching up on your Series 2. Lots of love from your cousin Melvina. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's so soon that I get to go back to doing McG all the time. <laughs> it's true. I'm really excited. Yeah, it is. No, I mean, it's it's been so long and we're really getting... Yeah. We're getting into the Downton spirit. <laughs> we are. It's true. <laughs> uh, next, we have a telegram from Cousin Michelle who writes, I was listening today to Tom Repeats History Fashion Backwards from a few weeks ago and I heard Tom mention Humanae Vitae. There is a miniseries out there that I thought you two might enjoy about Vatican II slash Humanae Vitae and how it affected nuns and teen girls at the time when the pill was coming out. It is called Brides of Christ. It is set in a Catholic girls' school in 1960s Australia. There are six episodes, each following a different girl or nun. It is on Netflix, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. It has a very young Naomi Watts, Brenda Fricker, and a young Russell Crowe in a bit part. It isn't a documentary or anything, but it has some very interesting points to it. Try to avoid the part where nun Brenda Fricker is talking about the turgid penis. You won't be able to get it out of your head. I already can't. All right. <laughs> so a bit too late for that. Oh, well. Yeah. Next up, we have a letter from Cousin Sashi. Dear Kelly and Tom, having recently finished your Titanic podcast, I decided to go back and watch the movie again. I have to say, I'm still very impressed by the special effects, but maybe that's because most of the movies I watch are cheesy 80s films. I'm probably the only person I know that would say my favorite character in Titanic is Cal. I don't know why, but I tend to like villains, and Cal is such a wonderful villain. Anyway, in your podcast, I was shocked to hear you say that you hadn't seen the actor that played the captain in anything else. You did say that, right? Maybe I'm just remembering wrong. That actor is Bernard Hill, who plays Theoden, King of Rohan, in the Lord of the Rings movies. You have seen Lord of the Rings, right? If not, oh my, what have you been doing? I thought I'd just let you know about that. One other thing. Is there any good Edwardian fiction that you would recommend? I've become interested in the period, thanks to you guys, so I am looking for novels that relate to it. I would greatly appreciate it if you could help. Thank you for always putting out a wonderful podcast. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Yours truly, Sashi. Uh, we did not realize yeah, and, that that was and Theoden. I at least should have. As soon as I read that, I was like, ah, of course. Well, know. he looked, you know, he was I mean, all crusty and weird looking. Well, that's true. But, you know, then Gandalf fixed him and he well, looked much yeah. closer to Captain Smith. At that <laughs> point. 
But uh, yes, thank you for pointing that out because I'm glad. And as for Edwardian fiction, we'll go back through our our files. Right. And we've had a few things recommended to us. And we'll also uh, reach out to our, our pal Evangeline Holland over mm-hmm. at Edwardian Promenade and see what we can do for Edwardian fiction. Yeah, because I was really – that came along and I was like, I really – I can't think of – I know that Anything. we've talked about I, them. Right, right. And somebody actually just posted like a thank you to somebody for recommending uh, a certain book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we'll probably just have an open thread too. So if any of you cousins out there have Edwardian fiction that you like or that you've heard of, we can kind of pool our resources there. Yeah. Just in time for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Alexander who writes, Hello, I just love your show. I've just started listening to your show a few weeks ago, and I've been such an addict to it that I've finished them all. And I have to say, you guys are one of the best podcasts out there. I especially love when Kelly does impressions of Cora and the Dowager. I always crack when you do Maggie Smith. When people at school see me sometimes, they ask me, why are you crying? And I show them your show, and they start laughing too. I also love Tom Repeat's history, as I'm a history geek. However... I want to know, though, will you ever consider doing the Harry Potter movies? Even though it has nothing to do with Edwardian England, it still has Maggie Smith, and that has to count for something, right? Can't wait to hear your new episodes. Sincerely yours, Lord Alexander of Tardis. That's a really good name. That is a really good name. I really like that name. Well done, Lord (laughs) Alexander of Tardis. I don't think Tom would like it very much if we did the Harry Potter movies at all. I would not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Maggie Smith is in them such a negligible amount of right, time. Right. And yeah. we just we just can't quite tie it in. Yeah, it's with it's uh not, with the theme. Like <laughs> now, now now I'd like to see now if if anybody out there has links to relatively short fan fiction of the Harry Potter universe in Edwardian times. We could talk about that. Yeah. Which is actually kind of interesting, you know, because in theory, there's been these wizards all along uh-huh. alongside. And, and That's true. Yeah. That kind of interests me. That may be out there. I, I, it would be somewhat surprising if it wasn't, actually. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we have a letter from Cousin Maddie. I have greatly enjoyed this podcast since its inception and have been meaning to send you a missive indicating my adoration for some time. Maintenance on the estate being what it is, I've been ever so busy. You just can't trust those peasants on their own. However, a matter of some urgency has come up. I was beside myself with joy to hear that you will soon be covering a room with a view, yet also slightly saddened to see that you'll only be covering the Merchant Ivory film version. The book is one of my all-time favorites, and there are a lot of delightful snarky bits of narration that don't carry over to movie translations. There is also a more recent made-for-British TV movie version for which I have boundless depths of affection. The production values aren't as high, they added a weird framing device, and there's a total lack of Maggie Smith, but you will get to see McGee doing her best actual English person accent. <laughs> I also think the chemistry between the romantic leads is much stronger, though that may just be because I have a massive crush on Rafe Spall. I know it's a tad presumptuous to ask you to do more work so that you may better entertain me for free, <laughs> but if you saw both movie versions, there would be a lot of potentially interesting compare-contrast fodder for discussion. I'm thinking particularly of, very mild spoiler, the implication in the more recent film of why exactly men like Mr. Beeb and Cecil are not made for marriage, which the older movie pretty much ignores. Yours fondly, Cousin Maddie. P.S. Once you're over the Titanic burnout, you guys have to watch the Cursed Tuba Contingency episode of the brilliant but short-lived TV series The Middleman. You'll never be able to think about that string quartet the same way again. Also, if you're anything like me, the phrase drown in the icy waters of the North Atlantic will forevermore make you giggle inappropriately. 
All right. Well, thank you. And uh, spoiler alert for this podcast, we did not much care for this Merchant Ivory adaptation of A Room with a View. That is true. So for uh, recommending this new version, which includes not only Rafe Spall, but his father, Timothy, Mm. uh, who many of you know as Wormtail from Harry Potter. Uh, Who else? Sophie. Basically, half half the cast of Gosford Park is in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mr. Weasley from Harry Potter is in it. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. we'll definitely be checking that out. Um, we're not totally sure when, because I think we have the rest of this year pretty well mapped mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we definitely... Yeah. Um, and this actually, um, you know, we, we couldn't get to it this week because we we were actually in Las Vegas for the week, which ties in in a few ways. Uh <laughs> Well, it does. One of which is that we went and saw the Titanic exhibition uh-huh. in uh, in the Luxor in Vegas, which was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, given our recent interest in the Titanic, we felt almost obligated to go. Yes. One of the things in there uh, that I was reminded of by this was uh, they talked about the string quartet, you know, and the, the little information thing that said that they were often considered as like heroes for having played through, but some people criticized them for having down like made people feel like things weren't as urgent as they were uh-huh. by playing. Which I don't know. I was like, they're they were a string quartet. They're, that was literally the only thing they could contribute was string quartet playing. And you know, not to be a bitch, but the ship was obviously sinking. You know, mm-hmm. like if you couldn't pick up on that. Are then right. maybe it's good that you were taken out of the gene pool. Like every, it just yeah, seems, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand at the very beginning when things were a little bit confused, mm-hmm. but after fashion, when the deck really started to tilt, <laughs> right. uh, I don't think any amount of lively music is going to be like, Oh no, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. Yeah. The cellist is still going. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the other things we've done in the past week uh, is, Watch uh, the new movie Life of Pi, which has Rafe Spall in mm-hmm. it. Um, so that reminded me of that. And also, I felt like, especially at the beginning of this, we kept comparing A Room with a View to Life of Pi for no reason. For no reason They're at all. nothing at all alike. They're nothing alike, and yet we liked one significantly more than the other. <laughs> well, so for yeah. what that's worth, <laughs> yeah. go see Life of Pi. <laughs> right. And also, Ang Lee, if you're listening, we would love to talk to you. Just about anything. Yeah. We'll, you pick the topic. <laughs> yeah. Well... We'll gladly join in. It'll probably be repressed people. Yeah. Oh, and I wanted to mention this in the early telegram uh, before. Uh, I do totally agree. The special effects in Titanic have held up really. They really, really well. have. Like absolutely. I think you can. There's a little bit of that sort of CGI airbrush mm-hmm. thing happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's not. It doesn't take you out of the movie. Right. Which is right. Good. Yeah. Did we announce cousin of the week? Yeah, I think it was Maddie. Okay, good. I, think we said that. I just couldn't remember if I said it or not. Right. Congratulations, Maddie. Congratulations. Your yes. cousin of the week. In case you missed that, because we started <laughs> talking about Titanic and Life of Pi, as as we love to do. Yes. So, room with a view. Room with a view of hell. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. Okay. So I liked this movie for like fifteen minutes, and then I was like, seriously. And I think I have, I felt like I had the same experience with the book, which I think that I read in high school. But throughout the movie, Kelly was never sure whether she like she kept being like, "Did I read the book?" Or no? Or wait, did I? I'm pretty sure that I did, 
or maybe I just did the spark notes and maybe that's why I don't have a solid memory of it. But I remember I didn't hate this as much as I hated um like Return of the Native. Oh, for, oh, oh. Blah, Clem and Eustacia. Like, why don't you just name your characters Phlegm and Anesthesia? I would just like to state on behalf of this podcast, screw you, Thomas Hardy. Yeah, Thomas Hardy can suck <laughs> a dick. Unless he would enjoy that, in which case, you know, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we start off with a, a credit sequence um, that, like, gives all the character names and who's playing It's them. a dramatis personae. Right, right. But it was really boring and dull. Starting off with Charlotte Bartlett, which, who named their child Charlotte Bartlett? <laughs> Come on. It just made me No wonder she's so sad all the time. With this, Charlotte, of course, being the incomparable Dame Maggie Smith. Yes. In her younger, more fetching days. Right. I don't know if she was a dame then. This is I don't. 86. I don't think she was a dame. Yeah. I think she didn't receive her damehood until after she was in Hook. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact, Queen Elizabeth's favorite movie. <laughs> Run home, Jack! We are not amused! <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it lists all the, the dramatis persona. I'm like, do I have to, is there going to be a quiz? Do I have to know all this? There was when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. I think. Did you go to high school with me? Were you in my English class? <laughs> did we have to read this book? Inquiring minds want to know. You know, not all questions can be turned over to our listeners, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> do you know how much asparagus I'd need to feed 12 people? <laughs> Uh, anyway, we'll probably keep saying things like this, but the credit sequence in Life of Pi, so much better than this credit sequence. It's just these <laughs> weird, stupid, like, pseudo-Italian, like, placards. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, really, it's kind of a metaphor for the entire movie, where it's, like, very, you know, tell, don't show, and everything seems very inert and lifeless. Yeah. Well, and I'll say... Well, I was going to get to this as the characters were introduced, but I think we should clarify that really the key problem with the whole movie is the the the, the romantic leads. Yeah, they don't appear to like each other or have the will to live. Yeah, and I mean, especially with Helena Bonham Carter, like she's good and frequently shows life and vitality. Yes, and indeed. Just they're... even in the Harry Potter movies, <laughs> right? And when the whole point of the movie is that they have this passion that is cannot be tamed and they don't. They have no – it's 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 worse than Twilight, I think. I think there's more charisma yeah, between like, Edward Cullen and Bella Swan than there was between <laughs> these two. I, I think you're right. For the, and it, maybe it's just like the special effects or the gray makeup. But <laughs> right. like – Oh my god. Yeah. These two Well, and to me it was a directorial problem. I, because yeah, I the two so. of them it seems like cuz there's that first moment when they see each other when they're switching rooms mm-hmm. and they kind of have like this lingering mm-hmm. gaze at each yeah. other. Yeah. And it seemed like they were trying to seem like they were doing something and right. James Ivory just kept being like, "No! The star of this film is Italy. <laughs> Quit upstaging Italy." Yeah. I you know I think there was a lot about the movie that I kind of liked and and that if the central 
arc of the movie had made sense, like, then I would have... I could have really been on board with this movie. I guess my issue with it, and I think this was my issue with the book, is that everything seems so preordained from the very beginning with um, Mr. Emerson, Mm -hmm. you know, like, begging Lucy to, like, bang his son so he'll stop being such a weirdo all the time. Right. But what I would say is that I mean, I, that's absolutely true, but that can work. I mean, if you look at, like, Pride and Prejudice or, mm-hmm. or any Jane Austen, like, it's clearly preordained who's going to end up with whom. It's not that – I don't but, mind it being preordained in the sense of the, the, the omniscient third-person narrator mm. setting it up, but when it's actual people within the thing. Okay, I see like, what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, and that can work too, but it was just, like, it was so weird yeah. because there was already, like, kind of an attraction between them. But George, I don't think, told his father anything about it. And then, but like, just for maybe I just find it distasteful that his mm-hmm. dad was like, "Oh, here, here's someone who's not a okay. million years old." Yeah. Well, anyway, I say let's let's yeah. get into the you know because not everybody listening to this has seen the movie. I mean, unlike Titanic or something like that, That's plenty true. of people haven't seen a room with a view. So we will attempt to describe it uh, incoherently, as <laughs> <laughs> is our custom. Um. So yeah, so they're in a uh, 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 Charlotte Bartlett, Maggie Smith, and Helena Bonham Carter, who is Lucy Honeychurch. They're in this pensione in Italy, which is basically uh, all inclusive hotel. It's like sandals, uh, <laughs> in times. And w- they open by saying that they thought they were going to have a view, but instead they have two rooms that are far apart and on the north side, so they don't have a view. So I'm like, okay, already. The only thing I knew about this movie going into it is a lie. The movie should be, the movie should be titled Two Rooms with No View. <laughs> and a blonde English dandy fop who no one likes. <laughs> right. Uh, but they didn't go with that. Um, <laughs> so they go down to uh, dinner uh, where we meet uh, the, you know, a bunch of other main characters, including Marcus Brody from Indiana Jones. I was very excited about He was about really that. excited. I was more excited about Judy Dench. Right. In a non-old lady role. Yes. That's very exciting to yeah. me. Which she does great. I mean. Yes, she does. I would I would give her maybe like 0.5 Maggie Smiths for this movie. I mean, it's Judy She did Dench, a great job. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, uh, Marcus Brody plays the older Mr. Emerson and uh, some weirdo plays the younger one. <laughs> it's Julian Sands, yeah. who is, in fact, a weirdo. Yeah. So Julian Sands, he's sort of like the, he's like the Michael Pitt of the 80s. You know what? Actually, what's really funny is that I thought the brother, Freddie Honeychurch, looked a lot like Michael Pitt. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I was going more with the, I I understand. Longish blonde hair. And and also, like, why are you in everything? Yeah. And just lack of emotion. He actually reminds me of Crispin Glover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Except that at least Crispin Glover has crazy going on behind the eyes, whereas this guy is just like, meh. <laughs> My name's Julian. Yeah. I'm in a lot of costume dramas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> um, you heard it here first. <laughs> Unless you're simultaneously reading Julian Sanders' Wikipedia page right now. Oh, right. Which probably you are. Yeah. I would be if I was listening to this. There's also the the Ms. Allens, elderly Teresa and something with a C. Yes, we don't remember. Yeah, but they're uh, two old uh, spinsters or possibly widows. I don't know, but I, I got the impression they seemed like spinsters yeah, to me. Yeah, and uh, Reverend Beeb, who's very enjoyable. I thought weird, but I I think you liked him more than me. Fair enough. 
Well, I just, I think I just liked him. He's, he's always very like upbeat and cheerful, but saying things that make no sense. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, to be fair, his relationships with everybody else in the movie never like make any sense make any sense yeah well like he's always leaving his niece at the honey church's house and i'm <laughs> yeah. like didn't he just meet this guy <laughs> yeah he was like free babysitting cool i'm just gonna tool around <laughs> summer street yeah uh but the key thing that happens at this dinner is that marcus brody hears them complaining about their lack of view and offers to swap rooms with them since they do in fact have a view because uh, as he says women like views and men don't which, in the shenanigan household, not at all true. I hate views. Yes. Frankly, give me a room with no windows. <laughs> Whereas me, I will stand and look at things gladly. <laughs> Just look at them. Makes me happy. You're very weird to I, me. Well, I know. The only view I need is in my heart, Tom. <laughs> and my mind. <laughs> and the sky above my head that I can't see because of the ceiling. <laughs> this is true. I did enjoy uh, Maggie Smith at the very beginning is her most Maggie Smithist in the whole movie, I thought. Yes. Just bitching about the room and how she was promised that. Mm-hmm. And she thinks that the idea of swapping rooms with the Emersons is like a huge scandal. Which I know is the Edwardian era and this is how they were. Like, I did not enjoy like the first 10 minutes of this movie because yeah. I was like, oh, these people need a world war so they can pull their heads out of their well, because like they leave the dinner table, and the the Ms. Allens come out and are like, "Oh, how embarrassing for you! That was weird." <laughs> right. That's and Lucy's true. like, "Bitches! They just they have the thing we want. We don't want the thing we have. They want to switch with us." Yeah, yeah. It's that uh, seems like a perfectly, you know. Also notable is that young George, this is probably my favorite thing that he does in the whole movie, Mm -hmm. is that at dinner he has, like, arranged his food into a question mark on his plate. Yes. And just, like, flashes it around the table. And everybody's like, what? And he's like, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, it (laughs) really It's just like your emo cousin at Thanksgiving. No, like, yeah. Oh my god, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, the cure, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, I, they, they do get talked into switching the rooms by Reverend Beeb. And yeah, then we see, uh, Lucy playing a piano, which is a Steinwall. Is <laughs> that like a narwhal? <laughs> yeah, right. No, but it's, uh, I assume they mean Steinway, but, you know, this is the 80s. You didn't get product placement then. You just uh, changed the letter in the name <laughs> and went with that. Um, but she's playing very passionately because she's filled with inner passion, we are repeatedly told. And um, yet. Yeah, and yet. No, and actually, I thought she was playing the piano very poorly in this scene. I thought so, too. Later scenes better, but yeah. that one, it was just like, it was, I mean, it was just, she was just pounding on it. Yeah. Like, I was like, that's, show some delicacy, ma'am. That's a Steinwall. <laughs> that's right. It's not a Casio. <laughs> yeah, so she's playing, we discover, for Mr. Beeb, who's just kind of sitting there in the dark. I think that's yeah. why I, I didn't like him as much, because he was, like, creepily, and, like, he, she was deliberately playing for the guy. But he was <laughs> right. just, like, sitting there, like, ah. Yeah. And then he starts in, like, oh, you are so passionate, and yet also really boring. And yeah. she's like, you're not helping. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he says, can I say something rather daring? And then it's just basically like, uh, you play the piano really well. Like, yeah. come on, dude. Like, it was the... Thank God that Downton Abbey is as soapy as it is. Because yeah. honestly, if they were all decorous like this, I would be so bored. Indeed. In Downton Abbey, like... The hidden passions are very poorly hidden. Yeah. Like, we get to, we get it in on them. Yes. Like, that's. We're like, go hidden passions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I guess, is this before or after they switch rooms? Cause when they switch rooms, George, uh, has drawn another question mark on the back of a painting that's hanging in his room. Right. And like, so they're switching rooms and Maggie Smith is all, you can't have his room. He is a man and you are a woman. So you, I don't want any shenanigans. <laughs> and Lucy's like, are you kidding me? Like he's, what shenanigans? He's no longer. He's here. not staying. He's in, a, he's on the, you know, other end of the freaking. <laughs> right. Highly improper you for be, to be in a room where a man has ever been. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so he like le- he's like being all weird, right? And he leaves, but then he comes back in to flip the painting back over <laughs> because it's got the question mark on it, and then it's just like a regular painting. But Maggie Smith goes, "Whatever does it mean?" And I'm like, "That's what he said." <laughs> yeah, I just can't believe that existential angst is such a foreign concept to these people. Yeah, well, it was just getting started, I, I guess. guess. Well, Nietzsche was Nietzsche was like in the 1880s or something, and yeah. it probably took him a while to spread. I but don't know. I mean, you know, you still had like you know Descartes and people like that, and you know the whole Enlightenment had already happened and been repressed. <laughs> um. Oh, by the way, I just now this moment figured out who I kept thinking of with uh, George Emerson, which is uh, what's his name, Orin on Parks and Recreation. Yes, that weird. Oh kid. my gosh, yeah, that's exactly. He's it. weird. You shouldn't be friends with him, <laughs> Lucy Honeychurch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, like, Lucy's inside a lot, right? And if I may be so bold, if I may say something rather daring, <laughs> Charlotte Bartlett. Worst chaperone ever. She's not good at all. No. no. And like that's her whole they in she's in the dramatis persona <laughs> as a chaperone. Yeah. Uh and I think I can't give Maggie Smith full marks on this movie. Agreed. Because I think she was miscast. Yeah. Because the character of Charlotte is so like self doubting and self deprecating in this yeah. way. Yeah. And there are flashes of her being yeah more maggie smith-esque but it just seems like she's hiding her light under a bushel in this movie yeah yeah and it's which again let it be known i fully blame james ivory for this right right and i mean maggie smith is doing what she thinks she's supposed to be doing it's just yeah it's it's not bad but it's it's just just not exciting no yeah so Lucy's staying inside, and then after Reverend Beeb is like, "Oh hey, you seem like you could be exciting, only you're not." <laughs> right? She's like, "I'm, I'm going outside," and he's like, "By yourself?" And she's like, "Yes." And I'm like, "Well, your chaperone appears to have disappeared." Well, she got dragged off by Judy Dench. Which you Judy can't... Judy Dench is this novelist? Okay, she's mm-hmm. a lady novelist living in Florence. Yeah, and basically all of these Mrs. expats, Mrs. Lavish, Lavish, yeah, yeah. Which all of the names, by the way, are very like Ugh. apropos. Like for example, I'll, fun fact: Honey Church, Edwardian slang for vagina. Are you serious? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> but I would like it to be. Uh, that's what I'm going to refer to mine as from now on. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I really, I bought that. No, completely. I know. 
no, but, but, it's, but, it's, but, you know, but I do think that Merchant Ivory, like, I don't think that that escaped them entirely. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's like those old restoration dramas where everybody right, had a name right. is like, oh, their name tells you everything that you need to know about the person. Yeah, well, like the Emersons. Like, he's a big follower of Thoreau, uh-huh. so his name is Emerson. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And Cecil Weiss. Yeah. Is like a vice. Right. Choking the life out of... Well, we're going to get to him. Yeah. We, oh, we'll definitely... We'll get to him. We're going to get all over him. Oh, we sure are. <laughs> but here in Florence, <laughs> um, Lucy Honeychurches is out on the town on her own, and some Italian guy notices that she has foolishly gone outside by herself <laughs> and starts trying to, to scam her into something. You know, whether it's rape or what, I don't know. I think but. he was just trying to make her go look at some other thing and give him money to show her where it is. Mm, yeah. Uh, but this is basically what happened to us the entire time we were in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, except that there, all the horrible people do speak English. Right, which was so, nice. But no, it actually, actually wasn't. I would have preferred that's, uh, if they right, hadn't, because then point. I could just be like, what? Shut up. No. Yeah. Scusi. No Italiano. <laughs> Life is beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, listen. Las Vegas is horrible. Yeah. This is what we've learned from Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. We we had some fun times, but also it's sort of awful. It's kind of the worst place ever. Yeah. Which we always thought we would think. Yeah. So we're we're always very proud to prove ourselves right. Yeah. Well done, us. <laughs> Anyway, so she joins this tour group that's being uh, shown around by the Reverend Ernest, eager. right? Eager, yeah, eager. You know what I mean? Yeah, again, which again, eager. yeah. Ugh. <laughs> um, Woof. <laughs> Next thing you're going to tell me that Floyd friend of Freddy's is a barber. <laughs> <laughs> so he's trying to show everybody uh, this this fresco of saint francis which i was excited by because yes. i was educated for 12 years by franciscans indeed uh so he's you know he's trying to narrate that and then mr emerson just like blunders i think mr emerson might have early onset alzheimer's I or something like, i did feel like the impression we were supposed to get was that he was a little bit you know unstable yeah. yeah although i mean but he was just but you know he was i mean he was an enlightenment guy yeah i mean well a romantic but you know well, basically a you know post-religious guy well and he i mean if he was into the transcendentalists then mm. that puts him in that whole like bronson alcott territory right right and uh you know they were basically the hippies of yeah. you know the 1840s through 70s or whatever yeah but i did why well, I, I enjoyed him busting in it you know like just making fun of the 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 priest the, yeah the the Vicar. Vicar, thank you. That was giving the tour um, and just, like, not caring at all that he was messing it up. Yeah. Yeah, I liked him throughout the movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Was... No, I mean, he was he was enjoyable to watch. He seemed like he had a horse in the race, which mm-hmm. basically no one else did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he, yeah, he was he was invested in, in what he was doing and, you know. Well, and you were predisposed because he was Marcus Brody. Right, I definitely so. was predisposed. I'm not an impartial witness there. Yeah, so he actually, he he scares off the tour group. Right. Rather than the vicar saying, no, why don't you go away? The vicar's like, you know what? We're going to go. <laughs> Come on, biddies. Let's. Yeah. Well, he tries at first because he can only be politely Edwardian about it. But he's, he's like. That's actually one of my favorite moments in the movie because he's so angry. Yeah. Like, you see him walk 
toward Marcus Brody mm-hmm. and he's walking very forcefully and then as soon as he gets there he pulls up and collects himself and he's like I can see there is only room for one group in this church so we will bid you good day like yeah you know nice as you please and yeah. then you know Mr. Emerson's just like sweet <laughs> but then Lucy bails because she sucks yeah and is this is what I don't understand I'm like where is this life where is this vitality you're all talking well, about yeah. because and again directors because we know helena bonham carter can do that yeah we've seen it happen so why is she so dull she's just like did like it the expression on her face in every scene it seems like she's about to have an interesting thought (laughs) right but then as soon as she has it she's like wait no yeah and i mean it does come through a few times but in general she just seems so adrift and not yeah, like yeah. she honestly seems more at loose ends than George does. To yeah. Me. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like you can't it's, it's as if it's as if he was like, oh, you just don't know what you want. But like you have to make an, you have to make a choice about that at some point. Like, is she happy that she doesn't know what she wants? Does right. she at some point discover that she doesn't know what she wants? Yeah. And I didn't feel much difference at any point yeah yeah in in how she regarded herself or her place in the world yeah yeah agreed uh so she's still there where mr emerson makes this big plea to help his son uh because his son is depressed all the time like doy right right uh and i actually speaking of the emersons i had for a good half of the movie thought that george had some kind of mental problem no like, i did I, too i really thought he they was... they seem deficient yeah somehow yeah, yeah but i don't know that might be actually an edwardian conceit hmm. that people who are different do seem that way because when i read the shooting party right there was that little kid named osbert or whatever and he had like a pet duck mm-hmm. and i thought he was like slow uh-huh, like uh-huh. i really thought that there was some sort of like handicap right. going on but it wasn't that he just grew up to be an artist mm. um uh, yeah so i guess from an edwardian point of view that's the same <laughs> right yeah that makes sense <laughs> um well, I mean, that's the only reason, like, Miss Lavish can sort of justify being a woman novelist living by herself, mm. is that she she's actually, like, extra British about it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, mm-hmm. she's very, like, boisterous, and she's always using all these, you know, purple words right, to describe right. everything, but she's also very... Like, class-conscious, very, very snobbish. Yeah. Well, because the thing about it, like, she gets so into Italy, but from... An, an out- English woman. Yeah. Specifically, yeah. because she's uh, intercut with these scenes in the church. It's her dragging Charlotte Bartlett around. Yeah. With no Baedeker. With no Baedeker, which is... Which is the standard tour guide of the time. That's what any any anybody on the Grand Tour would be taking their Baedeker around with them for each city, and it would tell them what, you know, where everything so was. So it was like, you know, AAA. Right. <laughs> um, but so she's just, you know, she's just expounding about the virtues of the Italians. Well, all underneath it, you can kind of hear the Dowager Countess-esqueness yeah. behind it, yeah. you know. About how filthy the Italians are and, you know, ruled right. by their passions and how terrible they are. Yeah. No, and very, very racist. Oh, extremely racist. Yeah. Just I mean, it's the same. 
we've seen so many interactions between English and Italians, and it's it's all so racist. Mm-hmm. Like in the various things we've been watching, it's. it's I mean, those. honestly, British literature and film is probably right up there with like American mob movies in terms yeah. of you know giving Italians a bad name. Yeah, yeah. They're just like animals, I tell you. Mm-hmm. So Lucy somehow foists off Mr. Emerson. Uh, and at, th- at this point, I was still kind of on her side because I was like, whoa, 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 buddy. You know, I just got here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't be don't be making me, you know, right. nurse your son back to normalcy. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what a what an enticing prospect. It's like, uh, could you uh, pretend to love my horribly deficient son in the hopes that it might fix him? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look what he's going to grow into. Yeah. You uh, to be fair, you've met him once. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think you have no choice. Which is point. another issue. I, again, I know it's the Edwardian period, but my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. However, at this point, the filthy Italians come to help out. Yeah. They, they, they force everybody's hand a little bit because Lucy's gone and bought some souvenir photographs mm-hmm. and she's in a square, which is probably a famous square in it Florence. It may well be, but. Uh, we're poorly traveled. <laughs> right. Uh. If only we had our Bedeker. Um, so there's two, you know, gangs of Italian brutes out and they get into an altercation and one of them is stabbed and dies pretty horribly. Yeah. This was actually the most compelling part of the movie. It was. No, and it really, I mean, and, and Helena Bonham Carter's reaction to it, like I was, that whole, I was invested in that whole scene. And, uh, fortunately for her, as she faints at the sight of this murder that's happened in front of her. Yeah. Uh, George is there and he catches her right as she starts to go down. Yeah. So this is my first indication that he might be somewhat with it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, Oh, a gentleman always knows exactly when the right time to go catch a swooning woman is. Yes. Well, I think, I think it's that. And I think women always know right when to swoon too. Yeah. As soon as <laughs> they make eye contact, as, they're like, you, you ready, buddy? As soon Cause as, this is happening. As soon as they sense an eligible bachelor within three feet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And uh, she drops her photographs and her hat, which we never hear from her hat again, by the way. It's like, come on. There's like seven different movies that I would like to see made out of this movie. One is Charlotte Bartlett and Miss Lavish's Adventures mm-hmm. in Florence. Because those scenes are just amazing. It's just yeah. the interplay between two supremely talented actresses. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're just, just nattering around Italy. Yeah, and, and with, their, with their odd couple views yeah. of travel and yeah. Uh, I would also like to see the story of Cecil. Yes. Uh, which again, we'll get to later, but like, I'm like, where did he, whenever Cecil's not on screen, everybody should be saying, where's Cecil? <laughs> right. Uh, and also the story of Lucy's hat. It would be like War Horse, only about a hat. <laughs> <laughs> it might be part of World War One. It might, oh, I, I, I think it almost definitely would yes. be. Yes. <laughs> it's what gave Mussolini the idea about the trains. <laughs> He's like, if only the trains ran on time, there'd be fewer hats blowing around in the street. It's like one of the bullets that missed Franz Ferdinand hit that hat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the tragic end. <laughs> I would love that movie. Yeah. War hat. 
okay. So she she faints and then she's talking to George. This again, most compelling part because George kind of freaks out because he goes to get the photographs, mm-hmm. but they're they fell into a pool of blood. Yeah. And so he, being the uh, Edwardian that he is, has no idea how to handle this <laughs> indelicate situation. He was like, I was not taught how to do, like, this. you know, there's no rule for what to do if, you know, a woman drops her photographs into blood. Like, <laughs> somebody, p- please write to the queen. Yeah. I don't know what to do about this. Uh, does Mrs. Beecham have some sort of powder for this? <laughs> So they wind up going and talking and looking at some water. Yes. Um, the Arno, presumably. Maybe. Yeah. That's the view that they want, incidentally, is a view of the Arno. Yes. Which then they get. And I'm like, that's why you named this whole stupid movie this? Anyway. Yeah. Book, really. Look, most of what I hate, I do blame E.M. Forrester for. Okay. Just because I don't like this story. Okay. Again, I think it's... I, I, I'm very, like, open-minded about whether I would like the book or not from this movie. Because, again, I just, I feel like, you know, as we said, the, the, the romantic leads just, like, colored my whole perception of the movie. And, and I mean, you know, you know that I may mean, well because, be, well, I will book, say that I know their inner life. Yeah. I'm oddly excited about the adaptation, the TV adaptation, yeah, 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 honestly. Yeah. Because yeah. I just think it's a better format. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. So anyway, so they're talking, and Lucy makes him promise not to tell anyone that she fainted. And he's like, sorry, I, I already blogged about it. Yeah. So Ooh, what's I've, your Twitter handle? I've got like 20 followers, so. <laughs> At Sweet Honey Church. <laughs> <laughs> At Dripping Honey Church. <laughs> his is at walden (laughs) i smell a parody book (laughs) the twitter feeds of em forrester characters (laughs) it'll also be a short-lived sitcom on nbc at sharbar (laughs) sharbar sharbar let's call her that from now on that'll make it more festive that will (laughs) all right sharbar we're coming for you (laughs) Anyway, so he is being weird. Right. And, well, he takes out her photographs and then just throws them in the river. And she's like, hey! <laughs> yeah. Those are my photographs, you dick. And he's like, oh, they had blood on them. And she's like, oh. <laughs> I think that you did the best thing. Right. She does approve of that action. And then is that when he starts saying, like, oh, you know, we've seen this crazy thing and now we've seen it and we're here. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then we see the photographs swirling over the rapids of the Arno. and Which is presumably something about passion. Yeah. And Edwardian England. Although nothing in the movie would support that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, no, nothing in the, any of the acting would support that. Yeah. Everything in the script and shot selection and everything is always about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, because that's it's so much. There's so much, like, very clear, intentional, like, symbolism and developing of the theme and everything like that. But why do we care? Right, exactly. Like, if I wanted to read an essay about this book, I would damn well do that. And you may already have. I'm pretty sure (laughs) that might have been what I did instead of reading it. Yeah. Gosh, if I could turn back time, (laughs) I would get a better grade on some papers. You might. So, yeah. So then the whole party heads out uh, to the countryside for some view that they all want to see. Boo. Right. They're in carriages. Uh, both reverends are there, uh, Beeb and Eager. And uh, here's the thing. Eager and Miss Lavish are total hipsters. Like, <laughs> yeah. they are Edwardian hipsters because 
the whole time in the carriage, all they can talk about is how, oh, you know, cause Lucy, uh, identifies herself as a tourist because mm. the, the Reverend Eager wants to know if she's there as an, a student of art. Right. And she's like, nah, dude, I just wanted to come to Italy. Like, yeah. can I not just want to come here? And he's like, oh, we feel so bad for the tourists because they're chained to their Bedeker and they don't get to see, you know, the native savages in their environment. All this is going on while the, uh, the driver of the, the buggy that they're in is like making out with this blonde lady. Yeah. And he's like, no, she is my sister. Right. And clearly not. <laughs> right. Just in every way, clearly not. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the Reverend Eager is so upset. Yeah. He's furious. He makes the buggy driver stop the buggy. Yeah. And then makes the blonde woman get out and walk, just, walk back presumably couldn't she have just switched to the other carriage right yeah that guy was old and not at all attractive that was (laughs) like driving that buggy yeah Yeah. uh but you know the buggy driver seems to be the only person with an inner life yeah he was great he was amazing i'm team buggy driver (laughs) yeah i want a room with the buggy driver yeah Um, at one point, they're making conversation, uh, and they ask what the Emersons do, and the younger Emerson says that, oh, I'm on the railways, mm-hmm. which, I, I was, you're a hobo? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was actually the implication. I think he was just making a joke. Oh, yeah? Well, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I thought it, like, I thought that was just a weird way of saying, like, he worked for some railway somehow, but I, yeah. No, I, mean, I think he was just saying, oh, I'm just depressed, so, <laughs> <laughs> rather than tell you that. And we do find out Mr. Emerson had been a journalist or something. Yes, he had been a journalist. Although then he's like also very vague about that. Right. Personally, I think they're grifters. I, that's, that's, yeah, so they just seem like, you know, mentally deficient. It's all part of the grift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do get a sweet villa out of they it. They do later. get a sweet yeah. villa out of it. Although presumably they were renting it. I don't well, know. Yeah, I don't true. know how villas work. Yeah. yeah do you have a villa? <laughs> do you rent it out? Do you make your tenants pay? Can you get us a deal? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and- I just want to point out that I stopped taking notes from this point up until Cecil shows up. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll fill people in. Uh, so they get to the place with this view. And at, this is one of the oh. clearly mentally deficient parts of George. Because he just like starts climbing in a tree and jumping up and down like a monkey and shouting random words. He's like, beauty. <laughs> Live <laughs> emotions. It's just, <laughs> and it's like, dude, Moulin Rouge isn't coming out for like a bunch more years, <laughs> right? Well, and I was pissed off because he got up in this tree, and I'm like, that tree clearly cannot support your weight, right? At Kelly, all. Kelly did say that and was correct. Yeah, because the- then he falls. He falls and he doesn't even stop. He's like transcendent. <laughs> yeah. Um, Compound fracture! Yeah. I did. I, I learned something from this exchange because one of them, uh, Mr. Beeb or somebody, refers to him as the, the door Mr. Emerson, which is the actual original English way of pronouncing what I always pronounce as dour. Mm-hmm. Um, D-O-U-R. Um, and apparently that's still like sort of the official pronunciation, although dour is considered, you know, standard and acceptable as like well. Like often and often. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just a fun fact. Uh, and that actually the scene with him yelling in the tree is what really makes me think that I did read this book because I seem to remember reading this book and being really angry. I think that may have, maybe I stopped actually reading the book at that point because I was like, who would like, who would like this guy? Yeah. This is just moronic. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and it's like, and I'm not even, you know, oh, pro Victorian, uh, Edwardian repression or whatever. I'm just like, be considerate and don't fall out of a tree. Oh, right. Um, so at some point, I forget the details of this because, uh, uh, Lucy goes up to the Italian driver, who, by the way, she had been very interested in his making out, mm-hmm. um, earlier and asks her, uh, you, you want, she wants to find Mr. Beeb for some reason. And the Italian guy says, hey, I got Mr. Beeb right here, signora. I was so disappointed. I know. Because I thought he was going to start making out with her. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Oh, but it was a bait and switch because instead they just wander along and then stumble across George, who's just standing there. And then he just comes up and kisses her. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, uh, what was that about? You're just, you're just, grass is just a big turn on for you and you can't control yourself like uh, i think it was all the beauty and the joy and the love <laughs> and the trust i guess so so he she does not appear she certainly didn't invite it she doesn't appear to enjoy it nope and uh then it's like well we gotta leave now well because maggie oh, smith right, shows up right uh also worthy of note is the way that the buggy driver clearly checks out the cabooses <laughs> of both uh honey church and Bartlett, yeah. like not at all surreptitiously, right? Just throwing, throwing some very lascivious, longing gazes at their hindquarters. Indeed. And for both of them, you know, like you know, you could do worse than making out with this rando Italian guy. He can't tell anybody. That's true. He can't tell anybody. <laughs> but yeah, so Sharbar is very upset, mm-hmm. as of course she should be. This was her one job, which she didn't do because instead she was off talking with judy dench about some stuff which according to the internet they were talking about some woman marrying this italian guy okay and apparently it was the plot line of wings of the dove which is also by em forster oh, okay i think so there's a whole like forster verse i think so oh wow yeah it's like fringe <laughs> yeah way to go weirdo <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's in the book, though. Mm. Like, I, you know, and I don't know anything about Wings of the Dove apart from the fact that Helena Bonham Carter and I think Daniel Day-Lewis are both in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, But that happened after this movie, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, you know, party's over. They've all got to head back. And George is doesn't ride in the carriages with them like he says he'd rather walk or something. And so he's just staying at this, like, so he's just, they leave him at this random Italian house they were at, and the Italians are like, oh, uh, come on in, we got you a prostitute. <laughs> just sort of odd. Ugh, it would be so horrible to have sex with him. He'd be like, beauty! <laughs> Love! It's like, uh, thanks. Great. Are yeah. you are you done? Because I'm bored. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're boring. I'd much rather be playing the piano. <laughs> So yeah, so back at the uh, the pensione, uh, Sharbar and Lucy are discussing the tragic events. They're saying, you know, we can't tell anyone. It's very insistent that we can't tell anyone. And actually, Maggie Smith uh, does a nice little thing here, where at first she's just seeming like ridiculous, and then she she actually manipulates Lucy into agreeing with her to not tell anybody. Yeah, because at first Lucy is like, it, like Lucy doesn't just isn't on board with her. And Maggie Smith just manipulates her very, very well, yeah. I thought. So that was that was a nice moment for her. And they agree that they will be silent as the grave. Not even her mother will be told about the fact that some guy assaulted her. Yeah. So Because it's clearly Lucy's fault. Right. I mean, she was in a field. 
<laughs> it's always the one you'd least expect. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, George finally comes home. It's been raining and thundering. Yeah. Which is the source of one of the only really funny things in the whole movie, which is where uh, Reverend Eager was in the carriage with him and be like, oh no, we're not going to get hit by lightning. The, uh, <laughs> the picnic knives, which are made of metal, are in the other carriage, so yes. we'll be fine. <laughs> Um, anyway, so when George gets back, like, Lucy, like, sees him in the hallway, and they have, like, this, like, weird deer in headlights moment before Maggie Smith, like, locks yeah. Lucy. Because, like, you can hear her, like, banging on the door, like, trying to get out. Right. Where, where before Maggie Smith is like, oh, I had better <clears throat> close the barn door now that the horse has kissed my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, she goes and says that, you know, I guess she's like, hands off, buddy. <laughs> right. You know? This is a honey church jam. See, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so then we get a title card, which I plenty of. I do not like this because he like uses the the chapters of the titles when it's like, listen, this is a visual medium. I can yeah. tell they're all going on a picnic, right. with an like, Italian buggy driver. I get it, but no. Yeah, yeah. It was 1986. Um, like, what do you expect? Yeah, but that said, this leads us to home where I have written. Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You guys. <laughs> the second Daniel Day-Lewis shows up in this movie, we're like, oh, my God, please never don't be in this movie again. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he plays Cecil Weiss, mm-hmm. who is the most, like, dapper, proper. He is always standing 100% He is ramrod straight. straight. Yeah. He's just got all of the gentlemanly accoutrement. He's yeah. got, you know, the waistcoat and the uh, the watch chain and mm-hmm. the, the pince-nez. Yeah. And it's just fantastic. It is. I also, I had a thought earlier that if anybody ever wants to drive Daniel Day-Lewis insane, all they would need to do was kidnap him while he was working on a movie and make him watch one of his other movies. <laughs> 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 like, I don't know who I am anymore. Uh, yeah, if we were going to have another podcast with the scale of rating someone mm-hmm. very highly, it would be five Daniel Day-Lewis's. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the only one so far where we've been like, oh, man. No, he's, I mean, he's, he's own, just... He's his yeah. own thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, so... He is, uh, we, we meet him as he has just proposed and been accepted by Lucy. So it's like, oh, oh, okay. So we missed a lot. So there. this was going on. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, we do also meet Lucy's brother, Freddie, who I rather enjoyed. I rather enjoyed him too. I also like that Freddie's are always like feckless. Yeah. In- Possibly homosexual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but he's, he's snarking to their mother because she's saying, oh, you know, did, did Cecil ask you if it would be okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Freddie said he did not think it would be okay to Cecil. Yeah. Uh, because Cecil was so like, oh, wouldn't it be splendid if I... <laughs> and Freddie was like, no. Yeah. I don't like you. Cecil, though, not so good at the social cues. No, he's not. So, you that know. Is, that is a drawback of, of Mr. Vice. So, uh, just to clarify, Lucy's choices in this classic novel <laughs> are a guy with Asperger's and a guy with major depressive disorder. <laughs> right. So, and you know. Which isn't to say that people with those conditions don't deserve love. It's just that psychotropic drugs weren't a thing yet. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah, so she accepts his proposal of marriage, and he's very smug and happy. And, like, everybody else goes out to be like, oh, hey, Lucy, you're marrying this guy we don't really like. Right. Uh, So, suddenly, 
Mr. Beeb shows up. Yeah. Well, we did know he had mentioned to Lucy earlier in the movie that he was going to be the vicar right, for right. Summer Street. Yeah. So he comes in and starts talking about Lucy. Yeah. Because there's something about Lucy, even though we have no idea what it is. Right. But he was saying, oh, you know, it's so funny that she plays the piano so loud and lives so quiet. Yeah. And we're like, dude, you saw her play Beethoven one time. That's the story of this movie. Everybody sees everybody else do something one time and makes these broad, sweeping, general, like, decisions about everything. Like, dude, you need to move on to a new masturbation fantasy. Play this one out. I mean, as far as we know, she just met Cecil, like, an hour ago. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, So... He is talking about how passionate Lucy is and how much he hopes that she'll, like, you know take life by the cojones and really like live it up although i'm like mr beeb you're like a boring anglican priest like (laughs) what like oh she's gonna wear knickers backwards (laughs) um so cecil gets very excited by this he's like oh well good news she's marrying me so your days of waiting are over (laughs) and like the look on mr beeb's face is like her (laughs) (laughs) yeah does not think they're a good match. No, not at all. And and he realizes that he has been unable to disguise this fact. <laughs> yeah. From Cecil. And Cecil actually, he maybe Cecil's more per- perceptive than I've been giving him credit for. Because he does notice that Mr. Beeb is kind of like, wah, wah. And yeah. he's like, hey, I'm happy. Why doesn't anybody else think this is a good idea? <laughs> yeah. This is literally the best idea I've ever had after yeah. buying my pince nez. <laughs> really does tie his whole look together ah, it's, it's he key. looks amazing yeah ah if i weren't team buggy driver i'd be team cecil <laughs> yeah. except that i hate lucy honeychurch so much well yeah um yeah we also <clears throat> learn about cecil that he's very like pretentious mm-hmm. um about his you know he's very a uh, bunch of a snob yes I mean, this is true um he's he insults i forget what it was he says something about sham aesthetics just insulting somebody, possibly the honey churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, sham aesthetics, says the guy with the pince nez. Uh-huh. Come on. Yeah. So they get engaged, and then they go to this garden party hosted by Mr. Harry. Was that his name? Harris? Or, yeah. Something, He's yeah. only important in that he has the villa. villa. Yeah. Um. So they're at this party, and, you know, Lucy... This is like Lucy looks cranky at times when I have no understanding of why she's being cranky. Yeah, yeah. And then other times she seems perfectly happy and like why I don't understand the motivations for any of your emotions. Mm -hmm. So they're at this garden party and her mom tries to go make her like ask some old lady about her leg, which like ew. Well, they didn't have cable. Oh, if only. That's really how I feel about all movies where like there's no TV. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they're all just waiting for something to happen. <laughs> like, oh, if only I didn't have to talk to these people. <laughs> so instead, Lucy begs off for she and Cecil to go for a walk. Yeah. Um, and actually, this was a really lovely scene yeah. as well. Yeah. Because you kind of see the rapport between them and they like each other. Yeah. And, you know, Cecil's like sitting up in a tree that can fully support his weight. <laughs> And Lucy's, like, walking around, like, a watering hole, essentially. But yeah, she's yeah. calling it a pond. And Cecil's like, oh, no, you silly woman. It's not a pond. And she's like, well, I used to swim in it naked until somebody told me to stop. <laughs> and then uh, he comes down. And it's really sweet. He's like, oh, you know, I realized that I've, you know, he's like, I've never asked anybody this before. But I've never kissed you. And she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, let's do it. I, <laughs> I want to kiss you. Yeah. 
So he is really cute because he goes to like move her veil, but then he realizes he's like, I have no idea <laughs> right. how this works. Yeah. So she pulls it up, and then they just have like the worst Awkwardest, kiss ever. Yeah. Oh man, it's like it's like two <clears throat> fifth graders' first kiss. It's even that like. It's 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 just it's like he died <laughs> in the middle of the kiss and started well, sinking toward the ground. It's because his pince nez got like smudged. Yeah, when he was like, I was going to ask you a question. I was like, Oh, is it? Do these glasses make me look gay? Because the answer is yes. Uh, so that doesn't go well. And instead of trying again, like perhaps normal persons would, right? Uh, they just awkwardly walk away. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure nothing is going to stand in the way of their mutual happiness. <laughs> right. Everything seems hunky-dory. Yeah. We see Lucy playing the piano, uh, better this time, mm-hmm. uh, and Cecil standing just so proudly like, I own that. He's very mm-hmm. happy about her piano playing. Yeah, he's very Billy Zane without the pure evil. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's just, he's nice. Like, he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. There's nothing wrong with Cecil. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, he's he's very he's just he's he's so sweet. Like in and and you can like 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 he shouldn't be like you know there's so much about his character as it's written and everything that seems like it should be very snobbish and off-putting and all this sort of things, but he's really sweet. He's a nice guy. Well, like, and he thinks he's got his heart in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in many ways he does. And mm. I mean, you know, he's again, he's just doing what he's been told he should do for his whole life. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was like, Oh, I'm going to live in this artificial society. Great. I'm going to artifice it up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't even need this pince nez. <laughs> I just like how it makes my nose look. <laughs> um, so wait, is this when they're at his mother's house? I think so. Okay, so they are entertaining some guests. Yeah. It seemed like it was like Christmas to me, although that can't be right. Maybe yeah. I'm just obsessed with Christmas right now. It could be. But so she's, you know, playing beautifully for all the guests. Uh, and so they all leave. And it's not clear to me if Lucy's staying there right. or... Yeah. So, I think... Yeah, but so he's talking with his mother and his mom's like, dude, you need to lock this down. Like, <laughs> today. She actually says, like, get married before January. Yeah. I'm not sure, like, is that after all the good sales for wedding dresses or <laughs> right. what the deal is? But she keeps being like, listen, dude, get married to her. Yeah. Don't not marry her. And he's all like, yeah, 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 she's great. But, like, well, he never confirms. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those, you know, the mother has been saying to herself and her close friends that she's never sure if Cecil is going to find marriage appealing or, yeah you know things like well, that and that's interesting because it's like uh what cousin maddie right, said right and i can see that but in this particular adaptation it's not just that they don't address it i just don't think that he's gay well i understand which, what you're saying and i I'm, i mean setting aside whether he is or is yeah. not i actually found it more explicit than cousin maddie did i mean saying could not be happy in marriage especially to a woman like i don't think oh yeah i guess that's true of that you know to me i think i was focusing more on the asexual aspect of it right because to me more so than somebody who's gonna like you know pull like an oscar wilde and you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. have this double life at the gentleman's club and everything he just seemed he seems perfectly happy on his own yeah apart from the fact that a wife is you know the trendiest accessory right, in human right. history. Indeed. So 
Yeah, but they they then show. I guess she was staying with him because they were like talking in a corridor uh, about yeah something. Yeah, I forget what. Oh, that's when he says, "You do love me." Yeah, he says, "You do love me, little thing." Uh huh. And she's like, "I just stopped." <laughs> that was a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> so then they have another horrible kiss. Yeah. Well, and it's just less horrible. I felt it's like. less horrible, but it's st- like he didn't it's, look yeah. like he like was trying to escape from her lips this time. <laughs> right. But he just. But I mean, and they have to give it to Daniel Day Lewis because I. I don't know if it's that I've seen people kissing like this or that I've kissed people like this where they're just like what. Yeah. Like, as if they think their lips are just going to, like, take on a life of their own. Right. And, like, do something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you have to open up your mouth and move your tongue around and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think, you know, definitely the, the asexual aspect is like, well, I understand that this, this is what kissing technically consists of. I don't know why. What else do you want me to do? Right. I never claimed to find this appealing, but... It seems like we're required. He did. He said he wanted to kiss her. Oh, that's true. Oh, I just feel so bad for him. <laughs> I just want Cecil to be happy. I know. Which baby. is more than I can say for the rest of these a-holes. Well, as we said, he does seem fairly happy on his own. That's true. So I true. think he'll, he'll be all right. At this point, I think, is uh, we head back out to the Surrey. Yes. Uh, to the Summer, Summer Street. Summer Street. And their estate is called like Wind Corner or something. Yeah, something like Why that. Why English people always name their houses the dumbest crap? I, I don't know. Well, and they do that in Little Women too. Oh, yeah. Because Susan Sarandon is all like, oh, look at this amazing picture Amy painted of Orchard House. And I'm like, go fuck yourself, Susan <laughs> Sarandon. That picture is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Your art is bad and you should feel bad. <laughs> Team Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and this good seg <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so they're playing uh tennis i think that's all they ever do right so lucy and uh freddie and freddie's friend uh i think we may have skipped a bit because isn't there aren't they playing that one weird game that's like oh, tetherball okay. and mr bean comes over scene Okay, so we're playing. They're playing. Yeah, they're playing. I don't know what else it would be called. Yeah, well, yeah, that's just what I called it because that's what I call Honeyball. (laughs) We call it (laughs) Honeyball. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's uh, Lucy and Freddie and uh, the niece. Yes, Minnie. Minnie. Yeah. Um, And then somehow uh, they start tackling each other, which. I don't think that's part of Tetherball. I it's think, not. Yeah. Well, I did, you know, I, it, having, it was just was, one of these flashes like, oh, you're human yeah, after all. They were horsing around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and I did enjoy how, like, familiar Freddie and Lucy were with yeah, each other. their relationship was good. It was definitely something that we don't see in Downton Abbey. And yeah, it's not clear to me how yeah. old Freddie is supposed to be. Like, I feel like right. he's written younger, but they cast him much older. I think that that sounds right to me. Yeah. Or, you know, he's like the second son or... He, He's the only son, but, like, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's just being, like, frivolous or whatever. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. Oh, but um, that's something that we glossed over that actually really struck me in the scene between Cecil and his mother. Mm-hmm. When he's saying, oh, I want my children to be raised exactly as Lucy has. Because, right. you know, raise her in the country, take her to Italy for subtlety. subtlety. Which... Not Does sure. that just mean that you're confused by vaginas? Because <laughs> you can get that anywhere. <laughs> Uh, but then, then bring them to London. You know, he wants to, to 
right, you know, right. free them from the spoils of urban life, yeah. which I guess is still an impulse that parents have today. Yes. Well, he was like, I would like them to understand physical sensation as I do not. Yeah. Well, although the mother is very dismissive of the honey churches, like she likes them, but yeah. she thinks they're too, like she views the honey churches the same way everybody else views the Emersons. Yeah. Which I really don't understand because I'm like, the honey churches seem fine. Yeah, like, yeah, like they're, you know, like not, they're a little wacky. Yeah. But well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if that was just a, that they're notched down. In terms of class? I guess so. I think that must be They don't have class. a residence in London, so... Right, right, yeah. But yeah, so anyway, back at the uh, tetherball party. <laughs> um, <laughs> they get... While well, the tackling gets interrupted, um, what, what happens in that scene? Oh, we missed the whole plot point, which is boring and just a red herring. Oh, but, right. But so, Mr... Garden party. Yeah. Whose name starts with an H. He's got this villa yeah. that he wants to let, but he can't find any suitable tenants. And so the implication about him is that he's this, uh, Novu Rish, like, mm-hmm. gallingly inappropriate guy. Yeah. And he can't find anyone suitable. But Lucy's like, oh, I'm going to ask my friends, the Miss Allens, if they want to come stay there because they don't have a home. They're just yeah. gallivanting all over the globe, which to yeah. me sounds way better. True. Um, so she's written to them to see if they want to come, but they've had all these, like, exacting like questions like how often does the butcher call and mrs honeychurch is being a total mrs honeychurch sucks (laughs) by the way she is the worst like i was i was inclined to like her but she's actually worse than charbar like she's just annoying and weird uh on the other hand though i do really like them as allen's um yes don't think i mentioned that before but they're like i you know because they're i very much like them it's a kind of a stock thing mm-hmm. sort of elderly female companions but they're very like sort of lively and interesting i, I like they them. seem like they've had interesting lives yeah overall yeah um so anyway so the reverend beeb has had a letter from them saying that they're definitely coming which freddie disagrees with because he says that there's new tenants already right and he finally remembers that their last name is emerson yeah and yet they're friends of Cecil's. Yeah. In the background the whole time during this, Minnie is playing tetherball by herself mm-hmm. because, by God, she claimed to play tetherball and she is <laughs> going to do it. That poor kid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it is – and it is, in fact, the Emersons that are coming and Lucy is pissed. Yeah. She is wigging out. Yeah. Because it was Cecil's idea. Cecil yeah. met them in London and it was like, oh, I'll show that silly – guy well it's funny because he calls that guy a snob yeah and so he you know plays a snobbish joke to teach this man a lesson about being a snob (laughs) right which really the only lesson about being a snob is if you're gonna be a snob you best have more money than the people you're snobbing it over (laughs) yeah so um so yeah so lucy's really upset yeah and i mean justifiably so this was her whole project that she'd been working on for a long time yeah well and also you know here comes this guy that apparently made her feel emotions although i this is the first emotion i've seen her have well Well, she was a little wistful after he kissed her like i think when she was able to process yeah and justify it as not a mouth rape Um, (laughs) right well because to me and i mean i like intellectually i knew this was supposed to be about emotion but it made much more sense to me just to interpret it as a scandal that she's trying to avoid yeah which was really only sharbar's point of view mm-hmm. but that's but how i think it it's felt. still well but i mean well, she I mean, is she wouldn't be unaware she's got much more to lose at this point and right, especially right. knowing what a piss poor kisser old cecil is at this <laughs> point she's like oh yeah you know so the emersons do move in and mr beeb and well actually i'm sorry 
this is an important scene where she confronts Cecil about it. And he, you know, he tells her the whole story. Yeah. And she gets really angry and he's like, oh, wow, emotions. Yeah. And she's like, shut up. And then she goes to her room. Right. Um, so, you know, but she does confront him and she's like, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you made me, you know, it was at my expense Mm -hmm. that you're having this little joke. And also it's kind of a dick move. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yes. So then Mr. Beeb and Freddie go to meet the Emersons who I can only think their reputations must have preceded them because literally the first thing Freddie says is, Oh, Hey, let's go bathe. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it is the weird and Mr. Beeb in a rare moment of clarity and common sense is like, <laughs> what a weird thing to say to someone <laughs> you just met. Yeah. Uh, of all the weird things that people say in this movie, that's the only one that gets called out. Yeah. So Mr. Emerson comes down and is like, oh, yeah, George, go bathe with yeah. this perfect stranger. It'll do you good. The change will do- the ch- the change from being wet to dry. Because he already <laughs> did that when he walked home in the rain in Italy. Yeah. Is this yeah. a whole like sense memory thing? <laughs> Where's a Scientologist when you need one? Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, Mr. Beeb, uh, George and Freddie all head down to the lake and get naked. This is really the crux of my problem with this movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even talking in terms of, like, the homosexual undertones, which, like, really, we were like, oh, yeah, Freddie and George. Like, those two would make a sma- a ripping couple, <laughs> in fact. Yeah. So they go down with, and they convince Mr. Beeb to splash around with him. Yeah. This one scene is, they spend more time on this scene of three kind of tangential characters <laughs> right. running around naked. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, running around naked is kind of painful. It is. I like, was like, ow, yeah. ow, your feet, ow. Yeah. Well, your feet and, and also And also, the, don't your, like, don't your yeah. penis and your balls, like, flap around in yeah. the wind? No, it's it's uncomfortable. I mean, it would be like running without a bra. I mean, yeah. it's the same, yeah. like, unpleasantness. But, well, yeah. apparently they're all caught up in the joy <laughs> and the beauty Nature. and the homoerotic undertone. Penises. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, just James Ivory spends more time on this scene. Like, I felt more about this scene than I felt about anything else. Yeah. And, like... So if this is a love story about George Emerson and Lucy Honeychurch, why do I have, only see naked male ass? Yeah. He has way more fun with Freddie than he ever has with Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they're running around when who should come ambling along <laughs> but Mrs. Honeychurch, Lucy, and good old Cecil. Yeah. Cecil was probably disappointed that he wasn't asked to participate. Well, I would think. I mean, uh, you know, if he had been there. If he had been there. mm well, he would have said no. Though. He would have said no because He's, he says no to everything Freddie suggests. Yeah. Freddie's like, all right, Luce, you can get married, but only if it's a guy that I want to bang. <laughs> so anyway, Cecil is kind of, you know, very Edwardian about it. But Mrs. Honeychurch and Lucy actually get quite a chuckle. Yeah. And they yeah. keep saying, oh, poor Mr. Beeb. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean, poor Mr. Beeb? <laughs> Cousin Maddie says he's gay. He's, he's living it up. He is. But no, and Cecil is very, he's like, oh, well. I'll I'll find us a different route, and he starts whacking the, with the his walking, away. With which his... to me, again, Cecil, you can do better than these people. <laughs> You've got a walking stick. Use it. He's well aware that he has a walking stick. I don't think he is. <laughs> um, he needs to channel his inner dowager countess. Yeah. Um, but also, I will say, I had no interest in that male nudity. Like, that, I didn't want to see any of those bums. Fair enough. What little penis we saw was unremarkable. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I mean, that's the problem with nudity in movies for, you know, depending on your uh, 
orientation. Yeah, your interests. You know, boobs always look the same. Right. Uh, Vaginas always look the same. This is true. Boobs obviously are thought of as less obscene. Yeah. But, you know, if you see a vagina, you're like, that is a vagina. Yeah. I'm seeing it. This is cool. (laughs) Right. But, like, for a penis, it can look so many different ways. Yeah. And one way is apparently the worst thing ever, and you can't ever show it anywhere. Yeah, right. And I'm like, come on. Are you telling me that none of these guys is is popping popping a woody right now? Yeah, sorry. This state in which every man's penis is multiple times a day, that's not acceptable for anybody to admit that that ever happens. Well, you just can't see what you're maybe maybe then I would understand why Lucy's attracted to George. <laughs> maybe he's got an enormous dong. It's possible. I do not think that is true. I don't either. Um no, but uh it was interesting because the guy playing Mr. Beeb clearly had a much more lax nudity clause. Like right. the other two were always like artfully hidden. Yeah. Like you kind of saw you something got some flashes. But like but... his was all over it. <laughs> and I was like, this is with the exception maybe of Reverend Eager, the least interesting penis in this movie. <laughs> Could be. Uh anyway, back at the closed house. Um <laughs> There, uh, uh, Freddie's playing the piano and Cecil is talking with Lucy or, or is it Mrs. Honeychurch? They're all in there and Mrs. Honeychurch wants to invite Sharbar because her boiler is getting fixed and she's got no plumbing. Her boiler is getting fixed. Does she live in London then? Um, I don't know. It didn't specify where she was. I guess I'm just not clear on how the plumbing situation works right now. Yeah. Which you'd think I would. Yeah. Given that we should remember to research that for sure. Yeah, yeah so nobody nobody over. wants Charlotte to come over. <laughs> right. And Mrs. Honeychurch is like, but I do. And everybody's like, mom, she's <laughs> the worst, which is true. Yeah. And then it's a weird scene because I'm not entirely sure what is wrong because Freddie starts playing the piano again with this like comical song. Well, and he starts singing and it's it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be clear about that. And then just everybody like leaves. And Freddie's like, why does everybody always leave when I start singing? Is it because I'm too good? <laughs> <laughs> no, his mom stays behind. She's like, oh, Freddie. Yeah, so Cecil leaves, and then Lucy goes to talk to him. And then there's a scene of Lucy talking to her mom. And her mom's like, okay, why does Cecil hate me? Yeah. And Lucy's like, because you're pretty hateable. <laughs> um, you know, and just like, it's basically the only indication you get from really the honey church end of things about Cecil being, you know, classier than they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Well, she or somebody says that you know why must he sneer at things? Mm-hmm. It's like, but that's that's his whole thing. He's he built his whole look around. He his went sneer. to Oxbridge for that sneer, and he's not about to give it up now. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I guess in order to make her mother feel better about the fact that Cecil hates them, uh, which carry on Cecil, <laughs> keep on shining, you crazy diamond. Yes. Uh, she is like, okay, mom, fine. Sharbar can come. Yeah. Because my fiance doesn't like you. Which to me, he's the only decent one. Because the only reason any of them want her to come is so that they can make fun of her. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I find her unpleasant and I get no pleasure out of making fun of her. Right. You're horrible, horrible honey churches. <laughs> and I mean, again, he's the only character in this movie who seems to have an inner monologue. Yeah. You know, yeah, definitely. as hidden as it is behind artifice. Yeah. There's like a living, breathing human being in there. Yeah. Whereas everybody else just seems like they're going through the motions. Yeah. I mean, there's a handful, I think. You know, him, uh, Marcus Brody, um, I guess Judy Dent. She's not in it much. No. Maggie Smith in moments. Yeah. She like, has I would, flashes, I would, but. I would only give her like a, I 
really been downgrading. There's like a two Maggie Smiths on this. Yeah. It's just not full. Yeah. Yeah. Not full board. I think I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that way too. Well, and I think she, I really just think she was cast against type. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. Cause that's the thing in the, her first couple of scenes, it really seems like her. And then her character for the rest of the movie is, is meh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I just think the problem is that both she and Judy Dench would have been excellent choices for Mrs. Lavish. Mm, yeah. And then it's like, there's nobody else there you can, can get. Maybe one. <laughs> well, I mean, to play Charlotte, like find somebody <laughs> right. more mousy. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the problem. I mean, yeah, yeah. and look, Maggie Smith does her best to be kind of mousy, but mm. it's just like, yeah, it's just not a natural. Yeah. Thing. Uh, I just I wanted it to be more like um, not this histrionic, but in Sense and Sensibility, um, Mrs. Palmer, who mm. Imelda Staunton plays. She's married mm-hmm, to Hugh Laurie, mm-hmm. who keeps being like, "I wish you would stop." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who is my favorite character in that movie? Yes. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I wanted her to be more like like that, you mm. know, a little bit more like, you know, f- you know, flurry of just worry all the time, flustered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But she arrives. Uh, she goes to the wrong train station for reasons that mean nothing. And she runs into George. And she runs into George, yes. So she's taking a cab to Summer Street, and he's riding his bike there, and he saucily rides behind her uh-huh. for a bit, which I just, it was just sort of funny that he just did Maybe that. Maybe really he likes her, and this is all just a ruse. <laughs> just that doesn't. get close to the chaperone. Spoiler alert, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> if that was, in fact, his plan. Yeah. Um,. And he's riding, of course, to see his father, mm-hmm. not to Summer Street. Although he does know that she's there. Yes. Because in the scene before he went and bathed, his father, who seems very broken up about it, like he's trying to say the nice and he's about, oh, we're so happy that your sister's engaged. That's really great. Hope she's happy. He's much more polite than that. But yeah. that's clearly what's behind it. And George is just like, wither the fog. <laughs> Indeed. He's like that kid in The Simpsons, the episode where they go to military school, and they're like, you're no longer the girliest cadet. And he's like, well, we'll just see about that. But that's the thing. Cecil might be gay, but Se- uh, George seems gayer. Like, yeah, yeah. Which, okay, li- I'm sorry, gay people. I apologize. We just I- mean that they seem gayer. You know, there is a way, you know, that's how some people seem that way and some don't. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything about their actual, they're both free to pursue whoever their heart desires. That's true. <laughs> that's fair because many of our commenters on iTunes have suggested that you are a bit, uh. Many, uh, <laughs> many of my life's commenters <laughs> have suggested that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever bathed naked with uh, two? No. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah. So Charlotte gets to the house, and I think this is a thing that would just be funnier in the book. Like she's all like, "Oh, I don't have any change." She's like, "Oh, I don't want to be beholden, but I don't yeah. have any change." There's and- another incredibly long scene of trying to make change to pay for the cab. That's just shockingly long. No, like, everything involving Charlotte is so long. Yeah. And I think, you know, she is supposed to be this comic figure, but it just gets bogged down by the self-importance of the cinematography. Yeah. I guess I guess that may be part of what's going on. I guess we may be expected... We may be supposed to be seeing a lot more humor than we're seeing. You know what, though? Because if you look at that versus something that, like, Robert Altman would do, like, they wouldn't all be... 
waiting right. to speak. They would be talking over each other. Like, she's mm-hmm. family. Yeah. It yeah. would have much more of the quality of the scenes where Freddie is tackling Lucy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Instead, it's really... And I know she's stiff and formal. Right. But if the whole point is that she comes and, you know, they laugh at how she's not like them, like, why are they trying to be like her? Right, right. Yeah. Then there's a book lying on the ground. Uh, it is... Like you do. Yeah. You're... We just see a shot of it. And it's it's uh, Mrs. Lavish's book. Under the Logia? Yeah. Logia? And uh, Lucy is walking along, and her mom looks out a window and sees the book with her eagle eye. Right, because she's really <laughs> high up off the ground. I know. Uh, but she's, she's like, who left that book out to spoil? And Lucy's like, it's only a library book. And we're both like, <gasps> only a library book? You have to replace those. Yeah. They trusted you with that. Uh-huh. Like, that was shocking mm-hmm. to us. Yeah, so that that was just... We were quite upset. Yeah. Um, that got more of a reaction out of us than almost anything that mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, kill him! Wait, oh, it's Cecil. Oh, he must have his reasons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cecil can do no wrong in this yeah. house. Well, and his reason appeared to be largely to mock it. Yeah. Which, <laughs> come on. I'm reading an artwork just to make fun of it to other people. I never heard of such a thing. How dare you, what? sir? What? A Philistine. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you all understood why that's so funny. Yes. (laughs) So at this point, like, George has been invited up to play tennis that weekend with Freddie's friend, Floyd, Barbara Floyd. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, Cecil is there, of course, uh, snobberating his way around Right. It is very, it is kind of, cause they're all playing tennis and he's just walking back and forth, like basically on the court. Reading the book. Reading and then the he book. like gets hit with a ball and he's like shocked. Right. And affronted. Yeah. It's like maybe, perhaps you could stand uh, away from the tennis court. Just an idea. Yeah. But uh, mm. he's, he's not into that. He's much into just reading this book out loud and, you know, being tickled by it. Yeah. So in a plot twist that I saw, coming miles away <laughs> perhaps because i've read the book possibly but i can't be sure <laughs> right um <laughs> uh gee golly willikers it turns out that this particular book has uh lucy honeychurch as the main character which is something mrs lavish said she would do not yes. to lucy but she did say it to Sharbar. true um, and one of the scenes is exactly that weird scene where, uh, you know, with the mouth rape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Lucy and George both do a horrible job, really. Yeah. Well, fortunately, Cecil is playing his own game called How Oblivious Can I Be? <laughs> yeah. Because he's trying to, like, read them some passage. Yeah. That is just too funny. Yeah. Just the uh, description of a view. Yeah. This was YouTube. <laughs> back right. in the day it's like oh this book is so bad let's read it yeah um so like lucy like runs away because cecil's like oh that wasn't what i wanted to read at all well i'll find it later yeah. well i'm off to be british <laughs> so lucy runs away and then george catches up with her and he kisses her she does kiss him back this time right but also cecil's like 10 feet behind you yeah and w- i don't know i was this is where i'm watching the movie i'm like is this supposed to be romantic is this the part my heart is supposed to be stirred by yeah at like, no point were there any stirrings of my heart my loins or my brain yeah well because it just again like that's your whole relationship they've had like a conversation right and then just 
uh, you know, one conversation and poor impulse control is the entirety of the relationship. We're not big believers in a marriage being built strictly on romantic love. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm like, you know, you have to, like, hang out together. Well, and if it is going to be, the romantic love should be convincing. I mean, it just, like... There's nothing about this that made us think that these people actually liked each other. Yeah. I mean, like, compared to them, like, Jack and Rose is, uh huh. you know, the love story of the century. Yeah. Which, I mean, it was. Well, according to James... Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> they did a study. So so impassioned by this weird description of their weird previous kiss they kiss each other which i did i liked it because she's obviously like been thinking about it a lot in the face of the insipid kisses that she's been getting right you know it's like you know if you watch pornography and then you have sex with somebody you're like that's not (laughs) what i thought this was gonna be at Mm -hmm. all i wish it could be this other thing um but then cecil like catches up and he's all like and then they all run inside yeah so Lucy finds Sharbar again. Right. And confronts her and is like, um, hey, bitch, did you maybe tell Miss Lavish who you knew was writing a novel and is kind of a bitch about this whole situation? Right. And she's like, oh, well, I'd be here to me. Well, and she's, and she's, you know, she obviously she did and she's very upset, but like, why did she do that? I don't know. Like, I kept expecting... Narrative economy. Right, but I kept expecting that scene to include her making some sort of explanation for why, and there just isn't. No. She's like, I know we agreed to take it to the grave, but uh, then I told this lady. Well, I think... I think it was just a competition thing, because Miss Lavish had all this great gossip that she was telling. Yeah. Yeah. And... Well, again, that is a perfectly acceptable reason perhaps it should have been in the movie that's, also that's she I'm was saying. the chaperone like literally mm-hmm. anyway yeah well okay because again that story is again at also her own that expense. happens at chapter two what <laughs> happens the rest of the book <laughs> oh, right that's a fair question um i also have at some point in these few scenes a note saying that uh george emerson is exactly like a collie <laughs> <laughs> he is yeah so anyway, Lucy yeah, so that- reads her the riot act and is like, all right, I'm telling him this time that he needs to just cut it out. Yes. And she gets – she I shall sit in my least passionate chair. <laughs> <laughs> so so Sharbar goes and gets him and then uh, Lucy is like, no, you stay here because anytime I'm alone with this fucker. <laughs> yeah. We all know what happens. So she's like, listen, you need to go. You need to not ever come back to my house, not even play tennis. With my weird brother, like, you gotta, you gotta go. I'm engaged. This can't happen. Right. And then he gives this speech that I guess is supposed to be impassioned. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's where he has a line about he could never be happy in marriage, uh-huh. particularly to a woman. And I'm like, he was not part of the gay wrestling that you were just part of. Yeah. Like, why are you maybe he aspersions? Maybe he goes both ways and he yeah. is uniquely suited to judge. Yeah. I mean, that's true. You're, that's part of the whole life, beauty multiple genders <laughs> uh, you know um i'm pretty sure the transcendentalists were not okay with the gay um i mean few people were yeah anyway so he gives this whole speech about like you don't love him you're never going to be happy and she's all like yes i will leave yeah so he goes right um but his words have shaken Yes. Our dripping young honey church. Yeah. <laughs> Shaking her to her very core. Indeed. I think. Well, 
Her so, actions. So we are informed. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so again, we it, just like with just like we're told about the engagement by being told that it just happened, we're told that she has broken the engagement as she tells us that it has just happened. You know, they're in, in a dining room together or whatever, and mm-hmm. he's like, "But, but, what? Well, I thought we were getting married." And she's like, "No." And well, and she tries to not like. This is the real problem that I have with her. Is she's such an evasive protagonist. Yeah, and we didn't talk too much about it. But like in the beginning, you know, she tries to sneak away after she's fainted with with George. Oh right, yeah. Like anytime she gets into any situation where she might have to declare anything, she tries to get out of it. Yeah, and yeah. she does the same thing here. Well, well, and in this case in particular, he keeps saying so. Just no matter what he says, he'll be like, "Oh, I'm very sad about this," and she's like, "It's not because I'm into someone else." If that's what you're saying, yeah. And he's like, "No, that's not." He's what like, I, was "I don't understand what that even means." Why do everybody think I'm into somebody else? I'm just like, "Jeez, you suck at this." No, like, and aren't you the only one that knows? Yeah. At this point, like, did you did you tell somebody else <laughs> before you told Cecil? Right. My Cecil. <laughs> yeah. I also have written here. We forgive you, Cecil. Oh yeah. Come live at our house. Yes. We can hang out, and you can be gay or not or asexual, whatever. Yeah. We just want to hang out with you and not play tennis. <laughs> right. We're not into it either. Well, we like watching it, but yes. not playing it. Yes. We like watching it while reading books. Mm-hmm. We're perfect for each other. We are. Oh, Cecil. <laughs> Come, come with your pince nez. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I feel like there's still so much more of this movie to talk about. There may be, but I only have a few more notes, so we can kind of rush Great, through Great, <laughs> because really, once Cecil goes... Right. Cause as it, like, we basically never see him no, again. No, Cecil leaves the next day. He goes to the station with Freddie, which I'm like, you don't even like each other. No. But he goes to the station to go back to London, and they run into Mr. Beeb, and there's this whole thing about matches... Right. Well, and also the thing about Mr. Beeb is that he's just gotten the most hilarious letter from the Miss Allens. Which, which is, is that, not at all hilarious. Yeah, that they're going to Greece. And everybody, like, throughout the rest of the movie, everybody's like, oh, Greece? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, Greece is actually very nice from what I understand. Yeah, and it, it has like lots a, of culture. A common tourist destination. Maybe I, the Greeks are even more vulgar than the Italians uh, in their eyes? I suppose. Could I don't be. Know. But everybody's just completely bowled over by the idea that the Allens are going to Greece. Um, but the upshot is that Lucy decides to go as well because she wants well, to... Well, because this is how the gossip chain starts. Okay. Because Freddie just tells Mr. Beeb, he's like, oh, you know, uh, Cecil's really bummed out because Lucy canceled their engagement. Well, bye! <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> then Mr. Beeb goes and tells her about the, the Greek right, trip and right. then Lucy corner Sharbar and is like listen you bitch you've ruined my life on multiple occasions tell mother i'm going to greece <laughs> yeah she's like it's, it's what i need to do i'm like yes lucy you're such a good judge of what the right thing for you yeah. is at all times um but yeah so she's she's going to go and she's not telling anybody that the marriage is broken off until she's safely out of the country because mm-hmm. she's a big baby i guess well it seems like that's the really... thing like remember when lady mary wanted to leave the country because right. but like it seemed like she killed someone with her vagina right to me that's... but like this is a perfectly fine thing like yeah. to just be like oh hey we're not really right for each other yeah no and that's everybody seems like everybody in the movie agrees with us on that They're yeah like, what that's yeah why awfully you... drastic but yeah we we're all happy you're breaking up with him we all hated him yeah so. Now we can talk about him. Uh, yeah. And his pince-nez. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did you see his pince-nez? <laughs> OMG. Yeah. And his walking stick. He doesn't even have a limp, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Although, as we know, that was the fashion at the top. Oh, right. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, uh, 
the Emersons have to move now, apparently. Because... And Marcus Brody is so sad. Like, he's sitting oh. in his villa, and, like, there's packing things up to leave, and he's... Oh, he's so sad. No, because... And then, not only does he have to pack up and leave this villa, George is like, oh, yeah, I'm not coming back in the weekend Yeah, to visit you. Yeah. Because Lucy's not here. There's no point. I'm like, yeah. this is your dad, brah. Yeah. Seriously. Nut up. Like, it's just, uh, you know... It's a weekend, and you could help him freaking pack. Yeah. You don't actually... You can just be inside the villa, which is not the Honey Church's house. Those yeah. Those are two different houses. They're relatively far. Yeah. But so, while all this is happening, like, so, I guess the Miss Allens did come to visit. Yeah. Because they visit with them. It's it's Mrs. Honey Church and Sharbar. Was Sharbar there? Yes. Okay, Sharbar and Lucy were all there. And they kept asking all these questions about Cecil. Mm-hmm. Like normal people do. Right. Like, look, if you don't want to have to answer questions about your now jilted fiance, tell people that you dumped him. Yeah. But, you know. Because, you know, goes. so the the two Miss Allens have a fun scene where they're like, oh, yeah, she didn't seem radiant. Yeah. And they're like, and George seemed kind of depressed, too. I wonder what's happening. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know what? Don't hold your breath for Lucy to look radiant. Like, Rrr. Yeah. Have you seen those eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> so... Lucy has a scene with her mom in the carriage, and she's like, oh, maybe I'm just going to move to London. Like, I get my money next year. I'm going to go. Yeah. You know, she's going to be, like, the new the new bachelorette. She right. was going to go, and, and her mom was like, bang around on typewriters and latch keys and call it work. And I'm like, that is work. What yeah. do you do all day? But I did like the line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Lucy's like, I don't know. Maybe I spoke out, you know, too quickly. I'm like, gee, you, uh, yeah. you said you were going to do something. And then you were like, maybe I'm not. <laughs> that seems to be your whole thing. Yeah. But her mom accuses her of being like Charlotte. Right. Which I don't understand. And it doesn't make any sense, except that her mom doesn't like Charlotte. And maybe now she doesn't like Lucy. Yeah, I guess. Or I don't know. I think, you know, one thing I think that may be going on. And I'm just making this up, but I maybe there was Charlotte may have a past. There's you know what? Some kind of hints about it. She did say that to Miss Lavish. She was, you know, she spent a, a day at this place, and she's always like, "Oh, I'm a woman of the world." Yeah, yeah, in my own small way. If this Honey Church could talk, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess they end up at the Emersons. Yeah, they're going somewhere, and right. it's not clear where. Well, and they need to hurry because Mary has her fish pie in. Which <laughs> <laughs> That made me laugh. <laughs> Maybe that was the lower class slang. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it's piping hot. Um, so, yeah, they, somehow they stop outside of the Emerson's house. Right. Which is getting packed up. And Mrs. Huntington is like, oh, that's too bad. I really liked them. Like, yeah. I don't understand why everybody likes them. They're weird. They are weird. Like, I like them fine. Right. But, like, I don't see why these people are, who are yeah. so judgmental would like them. Yeah. So then somehow Charlotte winds up Yeah, I can't there. remember what the deal with that is, but... Oh, she goes and she's, like, apologizing because she thinks she's the reason. Okay. She and yeah. she and Mr. Emerson have a blame-off yeah, yeah. for whose fault it is that mm-hmm. Lucy and George are now both miserable. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Emerson, like, makes her stay and, like, hang out or something. Yeah. Um, how does this movie even end? Right. And then Lucy and George get married. Like I, like they don't. I don't even think of them as having a reconciliation scene. Right. No, but they do, there's something. They have a scene. They do have a scene, and it's completely gone from my mind. And we just it was just two hours ago. So that's how white hot the passions burn. Yeah. In a room with a view. 
Yeah. Well, she she cries. No, I think she has the scene with with yeah with, with his dad. Yeah, with his dad. That's who she has because the she scene goes with. there to get Charlotte, right, and Charlotte right. leaves, and his dad is all like, "No, wait, you know, love yeah. and stuff." Yeah, like remember how I told you to marry my son? Could you could you just do that now? Because you're you're already crying. Yeah, we kind of wasted. Oh well, he here. calls her out on going to Greece. Oh, he's yeah. like, why are you doing that? Why don't you just admit that you love my son? Yeah, as he loves you, and she's like, oh, he loves me. And he's like, yeah, he told you, dang bad. She and she says, oh yeah, I love him too. I realize that now. Yeah, literally just now. Yeah, just that moment because you said it. Yeah. Um. So if this is supposed to be a movie about a young girl fighting against Edwardian convention that says she should do what other people tell her, <laughs> I don't buy it. Fail. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway, then uh, Charlotte is in bed reading a letter from lucy right and oh hey she's on her honeymoon with george at the same uh pensione, pensione and there is a much meaner version uh, yeah of lucy and miss uh Charbar yeah complaining how they don't have a room with a view and then george is like we have a room with a view <laughs> but then like they don't give it to them right so they i'm like keep it yeah and then you get the last shot of the movie which is oh. i just want to reiterate this is a movie in which we have seen three separate bums and three separate cock and balls <laughs> yeah they're sitting by a window while she's trying to read a letter from Sharbar. yeah and he's like kissing her and she's, and she's like seriously i'm trying to read yeah and this is like their final loving image is her ignoring him and reading a letter as he weirdly like, kisses her, fo- her fully clothed bosom. Yeah. It was And I'm like, "Oh, odd. so they never did learn to talk to each other." Yeah. He's but, like, "Oh, no, this is all I got." Yeah. It's just the kissing. Yeah. That was basically like the last shot in The Graduate, except I don't think it was supposed to be. <laughs> it was like, "Oh, they'll never be happy." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the tenor of the shot is that they're supposed to be. Right, exactly. But, but that's not how it felt to me. Anyway, yeah. so I think we have to give this one thumbs down. Overall, yeah. And I mean, I think I liked it a bit better than you, you definitely did. definitely did. But nonetheless, again, well, when the central relationship fails, you have to give it a thumbs down. Yeah. No matter what else works or doesn't work about it. And this movie was nominated for dozens of oscars yeah but i guess production values were different back you know they won they won for all your standard british costume drama stuff like adapted screenplay which woof yeah um adapted screenplay best art direction costume design that kind of stuff maggie smith was nominated and so was marcus brody whose real name escapes me right ellis delhoon or something (laughs) yeah it is something like that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um they were both nominated but they both lost to michael kane and diane wiest respect respectively for hannah and her sisters oh okay um i don't think anybody else got nominated for an acting oscar as well they shouldn't have <laughs> right well except for daniel day lewis yeah yeah uh would have been but he explicitly stated that he did not want to be nominated for an oscar for either room with a view or for my beautiful laundrette which came out the same year. Oh. Um, in which he played a... God, let's see if I can get this right. He plays a gay ex-skinhead in London who falls in love with a Pakistani businessman, which sounds fascinating. No. Yeah. So when we do start the Daniel Day podcast... <laughs> right. Uh, we will surely cover that. Or Podcast Day Lewis. Yeah, we'll come up with a good portmanteau <laughs> for it. Yeah. Why did he not want to be nominated he's daniel day lewis okay he does weird shit sometimes i i 
I thought he might have given an explicit weird reason. No, he just was like, nope, not interested. It's like, I do not want to be nominated for an Oscar until there is peace in Northern Ireland. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Didn't he do that once? Uh, or something? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think it, I, I mean, I said that because I think that's something he cares about. Okay. Because, well, anyway. Cousins, do you know what Daniel Day-Lewis cares about? If so, please write in. Follow-up question. Cousins, do you know what Daniel Day-Lewis's deal is? <laughs> follow-up follow up question. Do you personally know Daniel Day-Lewis? Because we would also be interested in chatting with him. <laughs> yes. <gasps> that is certainly going to happen. Yes. So I think... Uh, well, I mean, I think we do want to... I think we'll officially peg it at to Maggie Smith. To Maggie Smith. It's just not award there. Not a, a real Smithy Maggie Smith time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everybody in this movie can do better. Yeah, I think so. James Ivory, I I hope you're ashamed of yourself. <laughs> you're probably not. I I can't imagine that and he is. Is Sile Merchant as well? Although yeah. I suspect he just like sits on a pile of gold and chuckles. <laughs> doesn't sound very comfortable. No, it doesn't. Sit on a pile of paper currency. <laughs> Pro tip. Yes. All right, so that's it. We'll be back next time with our. Uh, Tom Repeats History Fashion Backwards special. That's right. And uh, so I guess we should start working on that. <laughs> Possibly. <so. laughs> All right. So until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs.